You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in to the Otson Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Perrin. Eric Scopo is with me on this show as always. And we've now heard from Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, University of Oregon President and Head of the CEO Group, Michael Schill. We've also heard from Dr. Ackerman at Oregon State. We've heard from Ray Anderson at Arizona State. And now today, Friday, September 25th, we've now spoken with Oregon Athletic Director Rob Mullins and Oregon Head Football Coach Mario Cristobal about the decision to return to sports in the fall for football. Also, uh, other sports are coming back as well, but this was primarily a, a media interview with Crystal Ball and Rob Mullins about football and how we're getting, you know, how we're getting football back. What happens next? Uh, we we actually spoke a lot of uh, of the time with Crystal Ball about actual football things instead of fighting COVID and what's the latest with training and, and and whatnot. We are actually talking football now on this podcast. All coming up next, but first we want to remind you guys we're running a sixty percent off annual VIP membership promotion. You can sign up today, pay $42.96 one-time payment, get an entire year's worth of annual VIP membership for your $42.96, 60% off. Inside scoop, expert analysis, and opinion. Read all the content across the 24-7 Sports Network. If you don't want to go the, the annual route and you want to go month to month, we've got a deal for you there too. $1 for your first month, $9.95 there after that. But I'm telling you right now, you're going to save a huge chunk of change compared uh, to the monthly rate if you went annual. You pay just $42.96. That comes out to being $3.58 per month, essentially, that you're paying to read DuckTerritory.com, be part of our, our awesome community on the message board, opposed to a $9.95 payment per month for the monthly plan. So, look, if you could afford it, football's back. Secure your membership for a year. Huge, huge savings. Eric, uh, I was really excited getting off this call because we spoke with Mario Cristobal literally like two minutes after, uh, you know, before this recording. Um, we spoke with Cristobal. We spoke with Rob Mullins. There's a lot to take in here. Um, for let's, let's start there. What was maybe the biggest impression you had speaking with uh, Cristobal and also Oregon AD Rob Mullins? First, I just want to say I can attest to the listeners that Matt was like literally instantaneously after the call ended, literally Slack, okay, podcast now. I mean, like he was ready to roll for this and, and I'm in the same spot. I mean, it was exciting to, and I guess maybe that's part of the takeaway is just like, it was fun chatting with Coach Cristobal for, I think about 35 minutes, yep. 30 minutes um, about football, about things that weren't, as you said, related to the pandemic, um, related to when a season's going to start to cancellations. I mean, that part was cool. I mean, picking his brain, and we'll talk about all this later, about the quarterback battle, about who might replace Penis to a left tackle, uh, about if he has concerns about opt-outs. I mean, these sort of things, uh, talking about what the next couple weeks look like because they're starting practice. I mean, th there was so much to take away. And, and I, think, I think maybe just from a broader perspective, um, the big takeaway for me is that he was excited too. And he said this a number of times. And I think almost any time somebody brought up a potential challenge that this bizarre season will present. And, and as he said, and, and numerous people brought up possible kind of weird circumstances. Um, 
there are going to be a lot of them, but he, he took, he basically was taking everything in stride of, of like, but yeah, that's exciting. I, I'm excited for that. The fact that, you know, I, we might have to rely upon players that we weren't expecting to rely upon at certain positions week to week, dependent upon what happens with COVID testing or injuries or opt outs or whatever it is. That means that we're going to have to prepare everybody. And that means this is going to take uh, some of our best coaching jobs. I and mean, I think those sort of things really stood out to me um, as you know, he's ready for this. I mean, that's not exactly a surprise knowing Mario Cristobal and, and kind of the type of person he is, but he really cemented kind of like that gung-ho attitude. And uh, I'm excited to see, you know, he, he could, you could tell he's excited to get out when they get a chance to, uh, to hit the practice fields here. And we'll, we've got some official times on that. We'll, we'll discuss in a second, but um, yeah, I mean, his, I think his enthusiasm and his excitement for this was really palpable throughout the call. And, and it was, it was fun seeing him back in that mode. Not that he was, completely devoid of that the last couple of times we spoke to him, but they were under different circumstances. I mean, like the last time we spoke with him, it was announcing or it was following the announcement that they wouldn't be playing football until January. And so that's a much different conversation than the one we had today where we can start actually talking about football and, and what actual football coming back might look like. And I, I think the biggest thing I took away from this, from Mario Cristobal, and it, it's kind of COVID related. And it's the fact that, Look, everyone wants to play football. Everyone wants you know the Ducks to be back. Everyone wanted the Pac-12 to be back sooner. I, I want the Pac-12 playing uh, October 31st or, or October 24th, like some of the other conferences are, are doing. Um, I, want them, I wanted them to play an eight-game schedule plus a conference championship so they had a better chance of getting into the college football playoff. But sometimes, you know what, like Mario Cristobal does a really good job of, of laying perspective, and he talked about that. And he, he mentioned the fact that, you know, people want us to come back earlier or to play more games and, or to rush, you know, the process to be able to get back on the football field. And, and he, he talked about how he himself wants to get back there as quickly as possible. But then he also said this, and I quote, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. If safety is really the important thing, if health is really the important thing, this regimen is the safest way to prepare for a season. And sometimes – it, it, it's just refreshing to hear that. Like, yeah. like he easily could have come out and said, look, I, I wanted to play earlier. We're, we're, we're only going to control the things that we can control. But I think this is a big reason why the players at Oregon currently love him, why every player uh, that has played for him either here at Oregon or at another school all just cannot say anything negative about him. They always gush about Mario Cristobal. And I think it's a big reason why – Mario Cristobal and his coaching staff crush it on the recruiting trail is that he is honest and he's generally out for the betterment of the player. And it would be better for him and for his program if they played more games, if they, if they played games sooner so that they're in the playoff discussion. But he understands that, look, if, if they came out and, and said what they did, which was, you know, protecting the student-athletes, that's the most important thing, and he supported that, and he was behind that mo that movement, then rushing to get back onto the football field was talking out of both sides of your football, out of your mouth, and what wasn't the, the proper and the right thing to do if, if protecting the athlete is what they're most concerned about, and I, I truly believe him. And, and I should say, we can – you know, Matt just said you can see why recruits love him. And we saw Terrence Ferguson, a tight end commitment. And it wasn't specifically the comments that we heard in this conversation. But earlier in the day, Cristobal was on a Sports Center appearance. And Terrence Ferguson on Twitter quote tweeted and said, who wouldn't want to play for this guy? And I think what Matt said is exactly right. 
and, and it aligns with what Cristobal said later um, on during the, the conversation about recruiting uh, of just the way they're able to make um, these sort of, I guess, build these relationships. And I think he's a natural at it because he is very upfront, very honest, and he's a player's coach. And that came through time and time again throughout this call. And obviously we've now known him for what, three years. Um, he's always been that type of person. And again, it, it was, it's, it's refreshing to see that. And it, it's a good reminder, I think, because again, it's been a crazy year, a chaotic year. And um, just to be kind of reminded of, of who he is and how, how he represents himself in this university. Um, that came through during the conference call. And, and for those obviously that were not on the call, which is everyone listening, I presume, um, we will get some of that video and audio out. So you can, you can check that out later on. Now, Let's get to football. When will football begin? Rob Mullins did divulge some important information. He said that the testing kits from the Quidel uh, the, the corporation who is providing you know, the, the, the kits to daily test for COVID-19, those arrived, he believed, Wednesday or Thursday morning, and that there will be a process to get that up to speed. He said that the, the people that will be administering the test have to get certified, and that's, a, that's currently in the process there. They have to get trained and that he believes in the next couple of days uh, they will be up, up to speed there. So that's, that's the first big piece. That's the first domino to fall. Um, having those tests on campus now confirmed and getting you know, the medical staff at Oregon trained up and certified to be able to use and administer them. Secondly, Mario Cristobal said the timeline for fall camp will start October 9th. Fall camp will open preseason after two weeks of strength and conditioning meetings and walkthroughs. Uh, and I think that's the important thing is they aren't just diving into, you know, full batted practice on Monday. Um, they are diving in, you know, they're, they're going to do the full traditional ramp up, which is good to hear. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think they're, you know, it, it's going to be interesting, I guess, to see um, two weeks is, is, yeah, it's a traditional ramp up, but typically, and I know some of the players were on campus and this is something Crystal also addressed um, typically the players are on campus basically from what, you know, summer on most of the, the incoming freshmen arrive sometime in June or July. They're here the entire summer working out. Some of these players were here, but there was a decent percentage of the players. And I don't know if we have exact numbers on that, 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 did, that weren't here. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of physically where everyone is at when this gets going. Those two weeks do allow some time to kind of test and see, you know, figure out where everybody's at and, and maybe round them into shape. But Cristobal did say something along the lines of, you kind of have what you have from a weight training conditioning perspective at this point. Two weeks is enough to kind of maybe get some of the, the rust knocked off. But if a player has been slacking off and he didn't suggest that they had, um, you know, there's, it's not like there's enough time to, to totally get that player back into shape before they start on, like Matt said a second ago, October 9th. And it is fun seeing a, a, a date in ink written out October 9th, the start of Oregon's fall football practice. It, it feels like that was a date we've been waiting for since mid-March and the, the, the months have, you know, gone by and gone by. And here we are, gosh, over a half, half a year later. And now we finally have a, a date and it's exciting to have that written out and, and to kind of know that there is a, a start to this and obviously uh, an end to a season set as well. We'll have full coverage of Oregon practicing, getting themselves ready for a season. Um, Chris, ball did note that, it, you know, kind of like what Eric said of, who who each player is when they show up and on campus and begin practice it's kind of who they are and it's going to really put an interesting i think test to this culture of the program of seeing what guys were able to get done while they were on their own while they weren't being trained 
right. uh, by, by the strength staff and, and speed and agility. And we're going to get a true feel for just how strong this culture is that Mark Cristobal has built. Now, who is on campus? Um, Cristobal was asked that question. Was a little, I, he was a little coy, I think, of, uh, of what he said to that, to that question. Yeah, and this is where he is a player's coach and he's going to protect his players. Um, he said all of the players are in town, <laughs> but, <laughs> th- th- I mean, some of the players are here, they might not play. Some of the players that are concluded in the all of maybe are players that have already opted out or communicated they might opt out. And um, he, did, he did earlier in the day on a SportsCenter uh, interview and, and I think even reiterated it on the call. I mean, he certainly reiterated it on the call and I asked the question that Penny Sue will not be on this team. Um, I think that's, that's, that's clear. Um, so we can say that one, but he was asked pointedly and specifically about Javon Holland, um, and basically said conversations with all of the players about NFL decisions and, and, and of course, opting out to pursue NFL careers would be ongoing and that they, he wasn't in a position to really share any of that information. So I think we are going to, and obviously by October 9th, I'm going to assume we have a very clear idea of what this roster will look like, but we are going to, at least for the next couple of days, possibly, probably over the next week or so, still kind of, or even two weeks, I guess, leading up to that October 9th date, still kind of have some lack of clarity about exactly who might or might not be on the roster. I think Holland is probably the name that is at the top of everyone's kind of list of what's he going to do. And then, of course, the, I guess, possibility of a re- reversal of decision from a guy like, you know, from Thomas Graham or Deonley the North, who at least we haven't heard officially um, have signed with agents. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting that everyone is here, but now it's a matter of how many of those guys are actually going to be a part of the team. I don't expect it to be a massive number, but I also don't think you can discount the possibility of when October 9th rolls around, you're looking at a roster that looks a lot different or at least a little bit different than it looked like back in March um, prior to all of this. Now, he also, though, said the expectations are still the same. This team is – it's going to get after it and that someone's going to have to step up in place of Penny Sewell or in place of somebody else that does not play or, you know, opts out from now and, and, and you know, until the season pl- starts. Um, he said those discussions with each player will happen. The yep. staff spoke with players before they left. Once they've returned, they'll speak with them again um, about what's in their best interest, what they should do and, and listen to the player about what they want to do and, and then provide some kind of uh, guidance of, of how to, to, to decide. And Cristobal said they're going to live with whatever decision the player makes. It's their decision, um, and they're going to support him in that. Uh, so it doesn't really sound like he's going to be, you know, grandstanding for guys to, 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 to not opt out. You know, he's going to listen, and, and they're going to provide feedback that they need and then support the player on the decision that they make. Uh, but his comment, I think most importantly was there's going to be guys that are going to need to step up. And he, he mentioned that, you know, there's not going to be time to, to, you know, quickly, you know, slowly, uh, ease guys in it's, it's game one. Here you go. You've got to get out there. And I think the biggest question is along the offensive line. And that was a question that you asked of, you know, not only do you have to replace Penny Sewell now, but you also have to replace the four other seniors that were starting, uh, last year at, at that at that position group, and so you have an entirely new position group, and he kind of dived into that that you know task that they have of of what's to come along the O line, right? And and I'll start with the replacement for Penny Sewell. He started the comment by saying he wouldn't name names, and then 
quickly said Stephen Jones or suggested Stephen Jones was a name to kind of be aware of there, that he would be a player that makes a lot of sense given the way Stephen uh, had performed in, in past years on the field. So I think pretty, I mean, I'm not saying he totally tipped his hand because he was, he admittedly was like, I'm not tipping my hand. And then I think sort of maybe, maybe he showed two, one of his two hole cards there. Uh, so you have a little bit of an idea what they're looking at, but I think that gave you an indication about what, about the fact that they're going to have to shuffle some players around. I mean, Stephen Jones was set to be the team's right tackle in the spring. It was pretty clear he was playing there and that Penace will be playing opposite of him at left tackle. Um, now it seems pretty, pretty clear that they're going to have to make some movement there and, and obviously going to have to make some movement to replace Sewell, but Jones makes a lot of sense at left tackle. What that does the rest of the offensive line. Well, it means there's probably going to be a, well, there will be a different starter at right tackle if, if, if Stephen Jones is at left tackle, regardless of though, of who is at those positions, um, it's going to be a brand new starter. And this is something he said, these players, I mean, aside from Stephen Jones, who made one start against Utah back in, I think 2018 is true freshman season. Um, none of these players have really started. None of these players have played significant, like meaningful reps. I mean, some of them have played in, against decent opponents, but mostly in mop-up duty. So for all of these guys, this game number one on November 7th, and we don't know who that's going to be against, is really going to be the, the first opportunity to see them. I mean, we didn't get a spring game. Um, they aren't going to have a game against uh, – this year wouldn't have been a mop-up opponent, but it would have been you know, South Dakota State and then Ohio State. But they're not going to have these warm-up sort of games leading into it. I mean, they're jumping into conference play. And game number one, there's going to be five new offensive linemen out there. You know, he said he and Alex Mirabal, the, the other offensive line coach, are embracing this opportunity. This is kind of why you coach is, is to kind of work through things like this. Um, and he, he said, as you'd expect, he's confident that they'll have eight or nine quality offensive linemen ready to throw out there on November 7th, regardless of whoever they're playing. Um, obviously not all at once. I don't know if we, you can take that literally and think they're going to be playing nine offensive linemen at once with a quarterback and a running back. And that's really some power football, but um, but yeah, eight to nine man rotation there for the five spots. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what that looks like. And, and I, I think he even though, and maybe this is part of why he didn't want to name names, they, they haven't really sat and watched these guys take over these position groups. I mean, they weren't expecting to have to re replace Penny Sewell. Um, he was supposed to be with this team. And so when they do get these practices starting here, um, obviously the walkthroughs and, and such and, and uh, the strength and conditioning here as soon as those uh, testing machines are set up. Uh, and then on October 9th, they'll have a much better idea of what these position battles will look like. And I think that's part of the thing that's pretty crazy here is they only had four spring practices. Now they're kind of starting from ground zero on the offensive line to a certain extent without Sewell. So tons of question marks. I know I'm, I'm, I'm confident that they will get this sorted out because Oregon's head coach is arguably the best offensive line coach in the entire country. Um, but it is going to be a tall task replacing five starters, uh, all of which will have opportunities to play in the NFL. Crystal Ball also discussed uh, the fact that they have to replace Justin Herbert too. Oh, that guy. Uh, the quarterback position is also up for grabs. And Eric, I, I think it's safe to say that, you know, based off of what Mario Crystal Ball said today, and I, I, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but at the same time, hearing what he said and comparing it to what he's previously said, it's basically status quo. Uh, he didn't come out today and say, Tyler Shuck is the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, but he said Oregon has the full confidence in Tyler Shuck. They're excited about what he can bring to the table because he was specifically asked about Tyler Shuck and what he's kind of seen from that, that position. Um, but he also then comes, comes back and says that they've got confidence in all their quarterbacks. Uh, and we should note that that includes graduate transfer Anthony Brown, uh, Kale Millen, who's a redshirt freshman, 
Uh, also, Butterfield, who is a true freshman. And then there is also uh, Robbie Ashford, who is also another true freshman. So um, from a scholarship perspective. So they've got options. They've got a lot of players on, on the roster. But I think you know, reading between the lines, reading the tea leaves, if you will, uh, it's basically status quo and that this is still Tyler Shuck's job to lose. And it makes sense. I mean, not much has really changed from like a, you know, material perspective of like they haven't practiced since. Um, Every time he spoke with media, he's said something similar to what he said about this being kind of Shuck's job to lose. Um, And so he's going to go into fall camp. I think as QB1, he's going to be running with the first team and it'll be really, I think, his job to lose. And that's not to say I I don't think Anthony Brown could could catch him and and win the job, but I – think the more and more this plays out and the kind of bizarre nature of this leads me to believe Chuck has a even better chance of being the starting quarterback than he did before. And to be, to be clear, I was very confident and would have probably, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, because I would lose all my money. If I was, I would probably be on the street. <laughs> um, I would have bet my money on Tyler Chuck from the start being the starting quarterback. But I think this just the strange nature of this probably it's going to be a thing where, man, Tyler Shuck's either going to have to not look very good or Anthony Brown is going to have to be a heck of a lot better than they expected he would be um, for, for Tyler Shuck to not be uh, the starting quarterback when they open the season um, in November. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, there's still a lot more to discuss. Um, specifically, Cristobal dropped a pretty interesting nugget about how far along they've been in, in installing the offense and the defense. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Bram, Eric Scopel with me as always. And uh, I teased it before the break, now after. Cristobal gave us, I think, some really, a really interesting nugget here about, because I asked him, what are the things that you kind of need to do in the next couple of days to a week to get yourself ready for, for camp? And obviously the first thing he said was, you know, make sure everyone's here, make sure everyone goes through quarantine and make sure everyone's healthy at the start of camp. That's, that's the obvious. Um, but, he, but he did later on say that all of their installs have been done for and he didn't say specifically but i'm assuming that would then mean offenses installs defensive installs special teams installs they've all been done and that's that's a big chunk of the first week or so sometimes even two weeks of fall camp is making sure you go through all the installs and making sure everyone kind of has 
an idea of player personnel, understanding of scheme. And then after that, it's, it's just executing those schemes and executing those plays and getting yourself familiarized with the playbook and getting yourself, you know, honed in and, and playing at a rhythm and at a clip at, at a high level so that you're executing at, you know, at, at, at maximum capacity. And so getting installs done ahead of the, the start of fall camp feels like a pretty big deal. Yeah, I was, I was surprised. In fact, that was going to be a, a question I was going to ask if he didn't address it was like, what's your confidence in getting this install done? And to hear him say it's already done, the, my question would have been pretty moot. Um, and and, it, and I, I, there wasn't a chance to get a follow-up question because it was one of the last things he said before the call ended. I would be curious to see how they accomplished that, um, given the bizarre nature. And, and we should note there is obviously a lot more time than typically there would be to install, just from a, not obviously an in-practice perspective, but just like actual minutes in a day you know, days, weeks, and months uh, than you normally would be. I mean, we're, we're right now recording this and it's the end of September. Typically you'd be starting a season right now. And, and so that's a little bit, or you'd be midway through a season, three or four games into a season right now. Um, that's a little different, but it, it is exciting to, to think about that. And I'll be very curious to see what this offense looks like. I think that's one of the pressing issues. And one of the things I'm hoping we get some more clarity on before we see them actually play on November 7th. I mean, we, we mentioned earlier, we're, we're going to have bring practice coverage. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I hope we get to watch some of this offense at, at least see what it looks like on air. Um, because I'm, I'm really excited to see what Joe Moorhead can do with this group. I think there's a ton of talent. We talked about obviously having to replace Justin Her- Herbert at quarterback, having to replace all the entire offensive line, tons of question marks, but I think with Joe Moorhead's track record and with what we know he's capable of, there's no reason to believe this offense can't be really, really good. And the fact that they've already installed it this early on before the, you know, a couple weeks before the start of fall camp provides me a little more confidence that they're going to be, I, I guess, a little bit further along by the time they actually start playing games than I had expected. Because I, I do think there was reason to be concerned. There probably still is reason for concern about like, this is such a bizarre year and you're going to have no warm-up games. You're basically jumping right in. What would this offense look like? And I think hearing that it's been installed, it should at least alleviate some of the concerns. Yeah. Helps at least then, you know, the staff can maybe have a little bit of an idea going into camp, you know, early on, Hey, we're not up to speed where we need to be, you know, we, we, we thought we were, maybe we need to, to add more um, time to practicing and the installs or the flip side, you know, they, they start practicing and maybe they do one or two days of install just to refresh everything. And it's, no, these guys are ready to go. Like, let's skip days three, four, and five that we typically would do and, and start, you know, getting ready for, for X, Y, and Z instead because we're further along than, than we think. Now, we'll know for certain week one, November 7th, when games start being played and how Chris Morgan looks and or how – lack of, you know, uh, uh, of, you know, consistent play will we're going to have. Um, will they be inconsistent? Will they be sloppy or will be the opposite? I think that's going to be a good question to ask going in, uh, in going into that week of who, of who they play. We don't know when, again, schedules will be released here in, you know, a week or so per Larry Scott. Now, one of the in- interesting aspects of, of the comments that Cristobal also made was, there's a lot of pushback right now of, and I mentioned at the beginning of how people are upset that the league's not playing earlier and they certainly could have, yeah. but Cristobal noted that, you know, 
guys need to be they still need to get into some kind of a condition to, to start playing games and you don't want to rush that 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 conditioning aspect yeah and they are following the six-week guideline that they that they wanted to have the ramp up period they will have the six weeks that's not going to be quite exact because as we said earlier um they're a little bit of a delay here in terms of getting these testing machines set up before they can actually really jump into some of these strength and conditioning stuff and getting everybody tests make sure everybody's good to go um, and as Crystal said, they're going to go full throttle once they get the green light there. I mean, they're going to jump right into this as soon as possible, and there's got to be urgency. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I guess, excited that we, we know there is, we, we know that everybody's going to be here soon. We know that they're going to be starting to do things, and that sooner than later we've got games to watch because, because it felt like a long time, not that long ago, it felt like none of this stuff was actually going to be happening, and it was, it was, I guess, fun to to kind of hear some of the specifics lined out today and outlined today of kind of what that's going to look like. And, and you hope everybody's here and that they're here ready to play. Opt-outs, crystal ball didn't really dive too much into uh, what players could potentially opt out, what players you know could potentially opt back in. But what we know right now is Penny Sewell is for sure not going to be coming back. Thomas Graham, Diamond Lenore, um, I can say they're not in Eugene. I know that. Uh, it, it, it feels like they're unlikely to return. Yeah. The question then becomes, do we see anyone else? Um, Austin Folio, he was a guy that, that announced he was returning uh, for his senior season back, what was that, December last no, mid, year? Mid-January. Mid-January, right, that's yeah, right. right. After, after the, the championship Bowl. game. Yeah. Um, he announced he was coming back. He is – he has at least suggested on Instagram from his personal page that he's playing and he's fired up to be here. Um, Jordan Scott is back in town, which would suggest he's probably going to be playing. I think the, the lone guy we really have, I think, a, a real wonder about is what happens with Javon Holland. Does, does Javon Holland opt out or does Javon Holland opt in? What's at risk is he's a potential first-round draft pick. And... A lot of mocks have him as high as like a 10th pick in the draft. And yep. we're seeing guys, typically the ones that are opting out to prepare for the draft, being first-round players. I, I don't think there would be um, any, uh, you know, any feeling of being upset or disappointed um, or, or really just angry, at least from me at least, if Holland says, you know what, like, I need to do what's best for me. I'm going to opt out. I'm not going to play because I've got so much at risk for, you know, the NFL standards. Uh, it, to me, it makes sense for him to opt out. So I'm not really expecting him to come back. But at the same time, he hasn't decided yet. Maybe he does see the, the the idea that, you know, the season's going to be over kind of around the same time it normally would be he's going to play. Uh, but I think that's the, really the only one that we're really like, it could go either way or maybe it leaning towards leaving or opting out. I feel like this is a no news is, is good news kind of deal to a certain extent. I mean, he could have very easily been a part of that week where all three of those players announced within almost consecutive days that they were going to be opting out and, and pursuing NFL rather than playing this season. Um, so from that perspective, that's positive. Um, like you, I wouldn't blame Javon if, really for any, for anything. If he decides, Hey, I'm going to pursue my professional aspirations rather than play this season. It's a weird year. It's a weird season. Um, you don't want to risk injury as well. You think about, yeah, we talked earlier about different strength and conditioning off season 
some of the players were here, some of them were at home. And if you're at home, you're probably not getting exactly the same strength and conditioning training you normally would be if you're on campus. Could that have implications in terms of a player getting injured? I don't know the answer to that, but it's it's certainly something to be a cognizant of. And we have, we should say, seen in the NFL, it seems like a, a little bit of a spike in, in serious knee injuries and injuries in general. Um, and they didn't play a preseason. Um, so I, I think there's at least reason to be concerned there. And, and, and again, it would really stink just from a, a perspective here. I wouldn't blame Javon for a second, but it would really stink from just somebody who covers this team and, and somebody who, who has enjoyed watching him and watching Penne play. If, if those two star players who are both awesome from their true freshman seasons and they were immediate impact guys, if they only get two years at Oregon. I mean, the, the, this is a bizarre, we're in bizarre territory right now because never before have we ever had to worry about the two and duns in, in college football. You know, it's always, you, at least you're going to get three years. You might get a player who redshirts his freshman year and then plays two years. I think Johnny Manziel did that. I'm sure there are other examples out there. So there's the, the circumstances where you only see them on, on the field for two seasons. But this is really weird that you could see both Javon Hall and Penny Sewell, two guys who, like you said earlier, could be top 10 draft picks, you know, in, in next year's draft. They only play two seasons at Oregon. Um, and it would be, it would be one of those things where, man, that really stinks. Um, but at the same time, we'll just have to wait and see. And like I said earlier, um, yeah, my hunch is we're going to hear and have some sort of idea on all of these opt-outs, certainly before October 9th. I'm going to guess next week is the week where we see a lot of these decisions announced and at least kind of hear some of the rumblings of what's going to happen. Because to me, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to drag this out to the end. You now have a lot of information on at least when the season's going to ha- start. That's, that was an important part of this, I think, for these decisions to be made. Um, and now it's a matter of kind of getting with everybody together and seeing kind of where everyone's at. And, and, and I guess if I was calling my shot, my, my thought like you, Matt, is that probably we don't see Javon Holland wearing number eight at Oregon again. Um, but I'm also not going to be stunned to, to see him out there either. I, I, he's a, a very interesting guy. I think a, a high character guy. And he might just be somebody who says, hey, I really want to play with my guys for one year. I know he's really close with a lot of those guys in the defensive backfield. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And it's a huge decision in terms of what this team looks like uh, defensively in 2020. Now, fall camp starts October 8th, like I said earlier on the show. What's that, what's that biggest question going into fall camp for you? Let's just assume the rosters are intact as they are now. Holland's back because, yeah, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt, even though I've just said he's probably gone. We um, both did. Uh, but let's just treat it as it is. Holland hasn't announced anything. Um, Chris Ball said all players are in town. Um, let's just assume everything is set up. Your biggest question going, you know, going into week one right now, going into let's start of fall camp. I think it has to be what this offense is going to look like. I mean, that we're, we're, we've, we've mentioned it on the show and on previous shows. There's just so many question marks right now. Um, that quarterback now at left tackle and all the other offensive line positions. Uh, tight end remains, and we haven't even talked about that really because there are bigger fish to fry probably in terms of replacing a left tackle and a quarterback, arguably the two most important positions on, on the offense. I would say the two most important positions on offense. We have, I don't really have a clear idea of who's going to be the team starting tight end. It was totally up in the air in the spring. In, in fact, I would say there were like three or four guys who legitimately felt like they could play that position. Um, I'm curious about that. I'm curious about the wide receiver position group. I mean, you look at the fact they bring back Johnny Johnson and Jalen Red. They also have Micah Pittman, who by the end of the season certainly looked like he was a starting caliber wide receiver. You have a Devin Williams, who people are have been raving about since he got on campus, another really highly regarded prep recruit a few years ago um, before he 
signed with USC and then transferred to Oregon. Um, you've got a bunch of other guys that played quite a bit the last couple of years, um, even at running back. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty clear what the who the play, main players are. Um, but will the hierarchy change? Will this extended time off? Like, here's a thought: like, how much can this extended time off help a CJ Verdell, who just seemed like he could never get healthy last season? I mean, that could be something that actually is somewhat beneficial. Like, he he only had four spring practices. He's had an entire summer plus a couple of you know add a couple months before he's having to to ramp up for a football season. Um, maybe we see maybe one of the benefits of this thing, a silver lining, is we see an awesome CJ Verdell season where he's just. I mean, because his stats this last season were pretty darn good. Imagine if he would have played in about, what, five or six of those second halves he missed during the season. Um, he could have run for close to 2,000 yards or 16, 1,700 yards probably if he plays those second halves. Um, obviously, he's not going to run for near, anywhere near that many yards this year um, in a, in a seven-game, potentially eight-game season. Um, and I, in fact, I put my – check out on the side, I put my predicting the team statistical leaders up, and I think I had C.J. rushing for about 800 yards or so. Um, in eight games. So I'm thinking he's going to run for about 100 yards per game. So I think there's a ton of questions on offense. And I didn't even really get to the fact that you're <laughs> something we discussed earlier. You're installing a, a new offense with a new offensive coordinator, with the new wide receivers coach. Um, there's a ton going on in offense that I guess uh, provide reason for, I won't say concern, but to at least feel like I don't know exactly what we're going to see when they play on November 7th. Yeah, I think that goes kind of with where I am of what what is this offense going to look like? What are we going to see? Um, how how quickly can they get all aligned and into tune together so that the chemistry is at a high clip? Because look, there the the margin for error in for a Pac-12 school to make it into the college football playoff is razor thin. You essentially cannot have a bad game in seven straight weeks. You've got to be able to play seven straight weeks. And you've got to be able to play an A, or at worst, a B-level type performance and go 7-0 and going into you know, December 19th when the college football playoff is going to make their announcement of the four teams who make the playoff to have a chance. Yeah. And so how quickly can this Oregon team get acclimated? Can they get adjusted? Uh, Mario Cristobal said you know, in, in that interview that, this isn't like any other year that, 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 that they've gone through for, as a staff or, or as a player or even as a fan or a media member. Uh, this is not a normal year. Um, he, I think his quote was, you pop out of the car and you forget your mask. That, that, that's, not a nor- that, that's not normal now. You have to, you have to you know, adapt. You have to be ready for what's new this year. And from, from a perspective of there is no spring football, you can't worry about that anymore. But at the same time, you still have to play at a high level. You still have to execute at a high level. Your offense has to be clicking. And with so many new play, you know, faces on that, on that offensive side of the football, I'm pretty confident the defense will be pretty good. Because even if Thomas Graham, Diomede Lenore, and Javon Holland are not there, I still feel confident they've got a lot of returning players still, a lot of high-level returning players um, experienced in that system already from the guys who didn't start but played last year. They kind of know what they're doing. Um, Offensively, it's it's a new offense, uh, new new play caller, new quarterback coach, uh, new receivers coach. You've got five new offensive linemen. They're going to have to start. You're going to have to start a new receiver. You're going to have to start a new tight end. Uh, you're going to have to start. I think potentially another re- starting receiver. Um, a, a lot of new in, in is involved in describing the offense and how quickly can that group get up to speed and 
can they avoid the the C level game? Can they avoid the B minus type game? Because can't afford it. You, you you have to play at your best every single week to have a chance to make the playoff. Yeah. <laughs> and this is such a bizarre year where I don't know if Oregon is really a playoff contender, but I also don't know. I mean, they could go seven and oh and look amazing. I, re- I really, it's hard to gauge because of how strange this year has been. And they could be seven and oh and still get left out. And it would be, you know, something that would be, would drive Oregon fans rightfully nuts. So, I mean, this is, I think, going into the season, and I, once we get the schedule here, we'll put some predictions for how the season will play out, I'm sure. Um, I know for me, speaking for myself, it, it's going to be hard to know exactly what to expect um, from this offense and from this team in general just because of how the bizarre nature of how this is. And like I said, I, I still think they can be really, really good. Um, and I, I do wonder how soon that can be. Real quick, I'm going to leave you with this kind of a joke. Uh, Can you imagine trying to set a betting line for a Pac-12 game? I would never want to be a person in position to do that, to be clear. But uh, right now, yeah, I have no desire to do that. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't set a single line. I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's You're not a fun to pick task. Somebody. Yeah, you got to. But I, I don't want to do that. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. We're going to be there covering it all for for DuckTerritory.com. Make sure to subscribe. 60% off your annual membership. We've got a ton going on on the site right now. A ton of reaction from the last couple of days is news. Uh, We are officially previewing football. As crazy as that sounds, in about a week, the team will be opening camp. And it's going to be an exciting time. You don't want to miss it on DuckTerritory.com. You can get 60% off your annual membership. A year's worth of DuckTerritory.com for just about $42. It's huge savings. Highly encourage you guys to sign up now if you can. Uh, If you can't do that and you still want to support the podcast, give us a like, give us a review, either on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever you use to download and listen to this show, please give us a a review and a like as well. So for Eric Scopel, myself, Matt Bream, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks.